It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Two moms looking for inspiration wherever wherever we we can can find it. it. Hi, this is Colleen. You are listening to episode 126 of Tangential Inspiration. I am going to talk about Clea Shearer of The Home Edit. Which I'm so excited for. Me too. And Teresa will talk about NASCAR drivers. (laughs) Doesn't that seem perfect? I know. (laughs) She and I are both like, NASCAR drivers. (laughs) Anyway, NASCAR drivers that are getting off the racetrack and helping others. And also about centurions, which I'm really excited to hear about. Showing that older can be better. Exactly. Yes. I'm so excited. So something you need to know about Teresa and I is that we really both love this show on Netflix Netflix. called The Home Edit. What do you like about The Home Edit? I love the rainbow. Me too. The whole rainbow thing. Me um, too. And just how they aesthetically Mm -hmm. organize things. It just looks so pretty. Yeah, it really does. So, And I didn't realize until the show that edit... Is it's very clever. You got to get rid of stuff you in do. order for it to get rid of the clutter. Right. So it's just a really. Cl- I think they're just they're funny ladies. And yes. I, yes. I just love them both. I love them too, and I can't really remember how if I found them on Instagram first, started following them, and then seeing them on Netflix. I remember a long time ago seeing them on Netflix, and okay. they were redoing like Reese Witherspoon's yes. house. And I was like, oh my gosh, these people are only for the rich and famous. So <laughs> yes. I didn't watch it, but then oh. with their books and. I'm like, oh, no, they're for normal people, too. So, And especially with Clea, with everything she's been going through the the last year. And her Instagram post on Easter was just that what a difference in the year. A year makes. Last year at this time she was doing her surgery. And then now they got to do Easter egg hunts. And life's moving on. Yes. Yes. So for those of you that haven't seen the home edit, it's on Netflix. There is two seasons. I encourage you to go watch it just for fun, mm-hmm. and it might inspire you to do something in your house. We all have spots in our house, mm-hmm. right, that you think, I could do something a little and bit make here. And pretty. Right, yeah. right. Um, and it's way better than the weekend that right. I watched The Hoarders. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And that, yeah. Ooh. Teresa was watching Hoarders this weekend, and we were talking about the contrast between the home edit and Hoarders. And it does so. make me... It, if you want to go on a diet, that's a really good show to right. watch because you don't want to eat. Or if you want to clean out your house. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Although I do feel for those people and I, I always oh know gosh. that there's usually an underlying. It's an illness. Something yeah. going on behind yeah. it. So For sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about the home edit hosts. There's two home edit hosts. And just if you want a little context, Clea Shearer is tall and dark haired. Mm-hmm. And Joanna Templin is Shorter and blonde. So those are the two ladies. And they always wear such cute clothes. They do wear super cute clothes. (laughs) So we're going to talk mostly about Clea today, but I really did want to start this about talking about their friendship and how Mm -hmm. Home Edit came about. So Clea was born and raised in Los Angeles. She attended Parsons School of Design. She worked in social media and PR with an emphasis on fashion and entertainment. So she moved to Nashville, Tennessee in May of 2015. Apparently her husband's in the music industry Mm -hmm. as well. He's a photographer. Mm -hmm. His name is John Shearer. And they moved to Nashville, Tennessee for his job. Mm -hmm. She actually met a friend named Leah on Instagram. 
So she was, I know, I've never met, like, somebody yeah, new on Instagram. Please. I normally yeah. want to follow people I know or yeah. anything like that. But she met Leah on Instagram. They talked about their kids, their husbands, being a Jewish transplant in Nashville, owning a small business. And she dis- discussed that she was considering starting a full-service home organizational company. So is Clea Jewish? Yes. Oh. Okay. She is. I'm and loving. so is Joanna. Oh, I did not. Yes. So anyway, but this is, but then Leah, this friend that... Clea, Clea and Leah, <laughs> wow, met on Instagram. Leah said, you know, I have this other friend named Joanna. She is also Jewish. She has two quick kids. She has Her husband's in the music industry, and she's also moved to Nashville, and she wants to start an organizing company. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and so Leah said, I'm going to reach out to Joanna. I'm going to put you in touch. And I guess originally Joanna was like, I don't really want a business partner. And I understand that. Like, <laughs> yeah. who likes group projects? Yeah. I'm putting that in quotes, yeah. right? And it's like a blind date, but for totally. like a totally. possible business partner that you have no idea. But Joanna went to lunch with Clea. Apparently their lunch turned into four hours of discussing <laughs> worldwide organizing domination. I thought oh, that was really awesome. cute. So for me, I've read this story about Clea and Mm -hmm. Joanna before, but I didn't realize how they got so big. And apparently Christina Applegate's daughter and Mm -hmm. Clea's daughter went to preschool together. Oh, wow. And so Clea and Christina became friends. Mm -hmm. And Clea said, can we help you do do some organizing Mm -hmm. in your house? And then will you do, if you like it, will you do an Instagram post Mm -hmm. about it? And she did. Awesome. So yes. that's how they got their big that's break. That's how they got their yeah. big break. From there, their business really took off. Mm-hmm. They found themselves constantly flying back and forth from Nashville to Los Angeles. They did celebrities' homes. They found themselves on a three-month wait list of clients. Wow. I know. And she says that it really helped propel us so much because we were so brand new and organizing had always been a thing, but it wasn't really on social media accounts. And I think that's true. Mm -hmm. She also talks about how one time they were on Target's Instagram, like showing some rainbow or advertising. And Clea was like, that was it. That was like, (laughs) I knew we'd hit big time when we were Target. I I think I would feel the same. Yeah. Oh, I know I would. (laughs) Yeah. Teresa and I were just talking about how we're kind of Target people. Love Target. Yes. So in 2019, and I remembered this too, they released their first book called The Home Edit, A Guide to Organizing and Realizing Your House Goals. It was filled with tons of tips and even a bit of humor, which it is really yeah. funny. Like, in fact, you know, a lot of, I know we were talking about at the beginning that they're like, get rid of everything. And they do encourage mm-hmm. edit. Mm-hmm. But they also are like, but containerize your stuff. Right. If you want to keep your stuff, okay, mm-hmm. at least get it under yeah. control. And it quickly became a New York Times bestseller. Apparently, Reese Witherspoon took notice of their Instagram and got them the home edit deal with Netflix, which I didn't really realize all of this, these little details. I thought this was funny. It was in 2020 that Netflix started their show. Oh, okay. And I thought, this was so smart. They probably didn't know this at the time, but this is when we were all at home. Yeah. having And people cleaning cleaning out out stuff. Everything. Yeah. And so that just cracked me up. I didn't realize it's really been, that's pretty recent. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've really changed my tune in a right. very short amount of time. <laughs> right. And I was one of those people, too, that did during the pandemic. I went under every sink. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think the only thing I haven't done yet is my closet. But I'm working on mine right now. Hi, Karamba. It's a little daunting. It yeah. is daunting. Yes. 
On April 7th, 2022, Clea put up the following Instagram post, and I and I wanted to read this directly from her because I just love the way that she talks about this, and, and I remember it taking my breath away, just not realizing that she was going through this. But she says, I have breast cancer. It's a hard thing to say, but it's easier than keeping it to myself. I'm having a double mastectomy tomorrow. And she puts in parentheses, prayers are welcome. And I wanted to say a few words before I do. This was... You know, um, it's making me teary. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good because it needs to. It needs to. It be needs to be out, out there. there. And yeah. I just loved. Yeah. And I, I want to. Sh- she says I found a lump myself the last week of February. I had been trying to make an appointment with my OB for several months, and even when I told them I had found a lump, they couldn't accommodate me. Which is just crazy. I know. That really put a pin in my yeah. stomach. Well, if you're talking about so, someone famous. Correct. Having a hard time getting, getting in. Getting in. Right. With a lump. Like with, yep. yeah. I had to request a mammogram from my general doctor, which led to an ultrasound and then an emergency triple biopsy. I have two tumors, one centimeter each that are aggressive and fast moving, but I caught it early. Had I not taken this upon myself, I would be in a completely different situation right now. I just love that she was like, fine, you can't get me in. I'm going to find a way. Mm-hmm. I'll do it with my primary care. I'll do yeah. what I have to do. Because to stay alive. Yeah. Because your OB isn't the only one yeah. that can order those tests. Yeah. And I, I guess I want to make sure that people know that. Yeah. Uh, I well, had, and she obviously yeah. knew something was wrong. Yes. You know, I had something happen like this in 2020. And I couldn't see a specialist for four weeks. And in the interim, my primary care was going to do, we're going to do A, B, and C to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I, lo- I encourage you to, I like how she went around that. Well, and it's good that you're primary care did that too. So That's that right. It could help keep your sanity. That and also the, once you get to the specialist, they have all of the information testing. that you've already yeah. Correct. Yeah. She goes on. It's a personal choice to make this public, but sharing my experience makes cancer feel purposeful. If I can convince any of you to self examine on a regular basis, self advocate always, and to prioritize your health over your busy schedules. I'm the worst at this. Yeah. yeah. Then this will have meant something. It is also important to note that I was under 40 when these tumors formed and have no history of breast cancer in my family. Even if cancer feels improbable, it's still very possible. I have to admit, for the first few days, I endured the why me feelings. But quickly, I started to think, honestly, why not me? I have all the support, resources, and a platform to help other people through this. So if anyone has had breast cancer, I'll gladly let it be me. I remember this taking my breath away and had to think, would I advocate for myself this way? I'm not really good at that. Uh, me neither. I remember her, th- like, doing this. Yes. And just so impressed. Me that too. She was like, well, it should be me. I can take time off. You know, I can mm-hmm. work. I can take time. I have the resources right. to be able to fight this. Other people don't. Right. Talk about. I know. And I love, too, that she... And I want to talk about it kind of more and we're at the end here that I'm not really good at advocating it. Even she says that I would rather advocate for others or my children instead of for myself. Mm-hmm. And I am like you. I remember reading this Instagram. Mm-hmm. It really touched me. But I wanted to go back, you know, when I was putting this together and really be like, I want to read mm-hmm. that again. Yeah. Because I was so and impressed. She's absolutely right. You're yeah. right. We are terrible self I am. Yeah. And I also feel like I'm inconveniencing somebody. Yeah. Right. I'm really, really bad at that. Yeah. So we need to keep reading this. Right. Keep reading this every day. Right. Every day. <laughs> Hang it up. Yeah. Hang it up. 
So she did have, the next day, like she said, she was going in. She had nine hours of surgery to find out that the cancer had made its way into her lymph nodes, which would mean chemo and radiation were a necessity. And then, and maybe, Teresa, you can talk more about this, she had to go back in surgery for necrosis. Oh, my goodness. She says her skin was not going to make it. So I think they had done some skin work or something like that, and they had to go in and work on that some more. Everyone is so different, and, like, that hers were lymph nodes. It sounds like Uh it's plural. Uh Mine, it was in one lymph node, and they still took, like, 24 out. Wow. So they weren't messing around. They don't mess around. No. But it's, I mean, it's a very serious, it's an in-depth procedure. Yeah. And I remember her, you know, posting on Instagram between those two surgeries, Mm -hmm. and she was like, something's not right. Mm. I'm going back in. And that's another thing that I think that's hard for us to be like, something's not right. And I think that's a really good point, too. And because um, you feel like you're, like you again, said, inconveniencing yes, somebody. Else, and that maybe I'm imagining that it's right. worse than it is. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to be experiencing right. post-op. Right. You know? So, yeah. Right. After her second surgery, though, she began to heal and feel better. So I was really glad about that. About nine months later, November 22nd, 2022, she was declared cancer-free. That's so awesome. I love this, too. She notes the following. There have been so many silver linings that I want to highlight, too. I love this because this would be me. My mother moved in with us on April 6th, right before my surgery, and only went back to California a few times to visit her dad. It's crazy to say this, but we had the most special time. I had never imagined at 40 years old I would live with my mom again. <laughs> like, oh, no, I, I, I loved making chemo a party. I mean, yeah. it was the best time spending time with my mom. Yeah. The other thing I loved with Clea is that she like rocked her she lack really of hair did. and just she really was did. out there being just a great role model yes. for women out there. Yes. I also never had this amount of time with John and the kids. It's a time in my life I will treasure, even though it was extremely difficult for all of us. That's just beautiful. I had a guy yeah. in class that I can't remember. He didn't tell me what type of cancer, I don't think. But he said, when I found out, he was like, this is a gift for you. And like, wow. Okay. But he said, when I found out, you know, it just made me live differently. And it made mm-hmm. me focus more on my family. So right. it was like a rebirth for him right. having this diagnosis. And he was healthy and fine once he had gone through chemo, but right. definitely a lesson for him. Yes. This is a quote here from Clea. Advocate for yourself. You never know who else you are advocating for. So true. Yes. So true. Awesome. So I've done something to my back, like my hip. Um <sighs> Maybe celebrating a birthday with 57 weighted burpees for a guy in class. Oh. Um, I don't know, but I'm kind of guessing that might be what it is. Oh, my goodness. Um, But I dropped something at work the other day. I bent over oh so gingerly to pick it up. And my coworker came over and was like, can I help you get that? So apparently, not only do I feel like I am 104, but I must. You're being gingerly moving. I'm moving worse than the people that I work with. I was going to say, one of the older people is going to help you pick up things. Um, I kept, you know, telling myself that I need to toughen up. There are people much older who have had worse pain and are still staying active. So what's the saying? Someone busier than you are is making time for right. you know, a workout or a run right. or whatever. So and it's only 4% of your day yeah. if it's like a 30-minute yeah. workout or something. Right. So I found some pretty amazing seniors 
who are killing it out there. And I'm quite certain they must have some stiff days, too. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. um, Yes. Nora Langdon is an 80-year-old power lifter. Oh, wow. We've all seen power lifters with, you know, the huge weight bars. They have three attempts at a maximal weight with three lifts for a squat, bench press, and a deadlift. When Nora was 65 years old, she couldn't go downstairs. I mean, she couldn't go down the stairs without getting winded and tired out. So she was extremely out of shape. Right. She joined the Royal Oak Gym in Michigan, and with the help of her trainer, his name was Art Little, a friend's husband, who didn't want to train her, by the way, but once he saw (laughs) how determined she was, he changed his tune. But she trained for two years and broke all national records with her first competition in the 65-plus category. Do you want to guess what she squatted? She squats 413 pounds. Oh, my goodness. Deadlift, 381. And a bench press, you want to guess That's the hardest there? one for me. 203. Oh, my gosh. Okay, today I had 10-pound weights in each hands, <laughs> and I was kind of bench pressing. I was doing a lap pullover. Oh, okay, yeah. And I... I was dying. Like, it was well, hard. Well, now you're going to have to think of Nora. <laughs> right. Nora. <laughs> wow. Oh, isn't that crazy? That's fantastic. Another powerlifting record holder was Edith Marie Trena. Sadly, she died a few days ago when oh, I was no. looking this up. But, and she died just shy of her 102nd birthday. Oh, she lived a long life. She did. Yes. And a full one at that. Edith was the oldest competitive powerlifter. She had various jobs throughout her life, including teaching dance... Aww. Her idols were Shirley Temple, <laughs> Ginger Rogers, and Fred Astaire, which I just thought was adorable. I love them. They are amazing. All of them. Yeah. If you guys have never seen some of these older movies with those dancers in it, do it. Edith actually taught line dancing. Oh, wow. Okay. Discovered at 91 that she had a new hobby. At 91, powerlifting. Um, she was naturally gifted with it, too. People said when she first bent down to pick up the weight, she made it look so easy, like she was bending over to pick up a purse. No. <laughs> so with both her dance career and her powerlifting career, she just loved the applause. She oh, loved, you know, the performance. Yes. And she was featured in the 2022 Guinness Book of World Records, and she was training for her next competition. She said her secret was Geritol in the morning and a martini at night, (laughs) which I thought was cute. Oh, that is great. I've talked before about Julia Hawkins, but she's still one of my favorite centenarian athletes. Julia had a full life before she started setting records. She met her husband at Louisiana State University, and eight years later, they were married by telephone. Okay. I know. He was in, he was in Pearl Harbor. He was oh. like um, in charge of demagnetizing boats. Interesting. I need to look up what that is. But, right. you know, for the war. And um, she was out in Baton Rouge and they wanted to get married. So they looked into it and sure enough, Baton Rouge allowed it. So <laughs> they got married over the phone and they were married 70 years. Fantastic. So it worked. Yes. As a birthday celebration... This is adorable. Hawkins wanted to run the 100-yard dash in less than 100 seconds. Now, remember, she was not a runner. Right. So I think she was a little shy of her goal, but who cares? I know. I mean, in 2017, Hurricane, that's her nickname, that okay. is, set a world record for her age group in the 100-yard dash. <laughs> she had former students show up to cheer her on. Oh. Three different kids from three different schools where she taught fourth grade. These kids were in their 90s. 
Oh. That she had taught school. Right. Because, yeah, I did sure. the math and it really did work out. That would totally Isn't work that out. Because if you were a teacher in your 20s, let's say, yeah. your kids would be 10 years younger and than you, they were potentially. Yeah. 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 So, Julia has a book out. It's called It's Been Wondrous The Memoirs of Julia Wells Hawkins. That was, um, she wrote that in 2016. It's $28 on Amazon and it includes um, seven pearls of wisdom. Oh. One of them, try new things, pursue your passions. Appreciate magic moments. Like, I loved this part because she said, like, hummingbirds or a rainbow. Like, things Mm -hmm. that we don't, we often take for granted, Mm -hmm. but we shouldn't. Those are magic moments. Embrace adventure. Put family first. Treat yourself. Her treat yourself because she was, is more like crab and, like, she's southern. So, it was more like, I say treat myself and it would be jelly bellies. But she was... Yeah, mine would be peppermint patties, right? Oh, that's good, too. Those are my favorite, yeah. yeah. And your I husband love, makes really good peppermint patties. really good homemade <laughs> peppermint patties. The magic moments, what it yeah. made me think of around here in Oregon, we get beautiful fall trees sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think my kids get a little annoyed because we'll be driving in the car. Well, my kids, they're grown now, but... <laughs> You, you know, they're still your kids. They're still your kids, but we'd be driving in the car. Look at that tree. Look at that. Can you believe it? And they're looking at their phone. Yeah, mom, you know. But that's always one of my favorite yeah. things to they, appreciate is our the fall colors, colors here. Yeah, right. for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And then her final one was inspire others, which mm-hmm. she's obviously doing. Absolutely. Such a great example for us to follow. I love that she is encouraging us all to try new things. Right. Because I'm terrible at that. Same. Looking to experience what she calls those magic moments that keep us active. Right. Even when we're 100. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I still want to be active at 100. Well, she's happy. I do, but I don't. (laughs) Yeah. As long as you're feeling good, that's, That's that's my main thing. That's true. Quality of life. Speaking of trying new things, Pat Gallant Charlotte became the oldest person to swim the Sea of Galilee in 2022. It's a 13-mile swim, oh, wow. I guess, and okay. it took her eight hours and 22 minutes. They started at 3 in the morning mm. to beat the heat. Doesn't oh, that sure. sound miserable? It sounds miserable, <laughs> but it sounds worth it to get up. If you're really going to do if it. If you're into that, yeah. To beat the heat yeah. Oh, yeah. sounds yeah. great. I was talking to this woman general sounding... Horrible or the too. 3 a.m. alarm. Yeah. This woman only started swimming in her late 40s. She actually was 48. Her son, mm-hmm. Tom, who now helps support her on these marathon swims, which I think is adorable. Yes. He wanted to swim an event called Peaks to Portland, actually East Coast, not Oh, Portland, okay. Okay. In remembrance of his Uncle Bobby. So it motivated her to retire from what she called spectator mom. <laughs> that she had been yes. working at food tables, sure. you know, and the concession stands Absolutely. and doing the mom thing. So she took up swimming and now she dedicates those events to her deceased brothers, Robbie and Johnny. Not only did this woman take up a new sport later in life, but she constantly battles her fear of open water. Yeah. Or at least deep open water. I feel like I can understand that. Oh, I big time can understand yes. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When I'm out in open water, I'm splashing a ton because I want all the critters to stay far, <laughs> far away from me. I always joke with my dad, especially, I don't know why, but I always say, I think I drowned in another life. <laughs> I, I don't know what I believe in terms of that, yeah. but I, I do have that. Like every time we go over a bridge in Portland, I have, have a lot little, of them. We have a lot of bridges. <laughs> I get that little nervous feeling. Oh, really? So, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So I can relate to that, that open water. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that with going over bridges. I've never, you're mm-hmm. the first person I've met. Oh, that, yeah. I'm a little nervous. How's that? That's my least oh, favorite I mean, part of the drive. Here we have all of those bridges here. <laughs> yes. When she was a teenager, they were out clamming. Okay. As, um, kids and they lost track of time and found themselves surrounded by water. I don't know how this happens, but they're surrounded by water. They're starting to swim back to shore. And one of the kids screamed shark and they weren't joking. They screamed shark. She could see something in her peripheral vision to her right. And she was just certain she was going to drown because she froze. She like couldn't swim. She thought she was dead. Then she looks out in front and up pops this little seal head. So it had been a seal, but they thought it was a shark. You know, I'm thinking with clamming, though, aren't you looking down at the sand? And that's why maybe I wonder if they didn't realize the water was coming up behind them or around them or something like that. Because I think you're looking down Mm -hmm. and putting stuff in buckets. Um, I'm just thinking. Mm -hmm. I've never never done clamming. I really haven't. I think I've seen other people Mm -hmm. do it. So... I can understand that. Well, I'm so glad it was a sea and not a shark. <laughs> but still, she, you know, it still made her afraid of the water because sure. she felt like she was going to drown. Sure. And she's aware that there are other creatures out there because she said Absolutely. she's been bumped by so... something in the water. <laughs> she's had events that she hasn't finished, including a um, DNF in New Zealand. But she doesn't let that discourage her, which I admire that, too. Me, too. If anything, it gets her motivated to keep on training. Her longest swim was in Lake Ontario, and that was a 24-hour swim. 24 hours, 28 minutes. Wow. Like, can you imagine? No. <laughs> I really so can't. I thought the 13-mile swim was bad enough. I but. was tired today at 6 p.m., <laughs> so I can't imagine 24-hour swim. Uh, and with <laughs> creatures in the water. Right. But, um, interesting, too, this woman fuels her marathon swims with syrup from the trees in her backyard. Oh, She's like in maple Maine. syrup. So she, mm. she mixes the syrup with a little bit of... Um, water and it's like a natural pre workout. Yeah. Well and while she's swimming because she oh, needs the, she's swimming. She needs the glucose. Yes. Yeah. I love that swimming's keeping her young. She's definitely proof that you're never too old to try something new. And I love that she found, you know, something fun to bond with her kiddo. That mm-hmm. her son is her mm-hmm. support group. Right. There's a guy named Jacinto Bonilla, and he isn't a centenarian, but he's impressive all the same. At 67, he decided to start lifting weights to live longer. Started at 67. So this guy from New York isn't just lifting the 10-pound weight we were talking about. He's pumping some serious iron and totally immersed himself in the CrossFit world. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So pretty extreme and almost cult-like. Right. <laughs> um, but very impressive. Yeah. I mean, the athletes in this yeah, community I've are... Yeah, I've been to CrossFit with my sister a couple times. And honestly, I, I felt like I did pretty decent until mm-hmm. it came to jumping rope. Oh, really? Jumping That's... rope for even a minute mm-hmm. is longer than you think. Mm-hmm. I don't know, for me... Yeah. It's it was... the box jumps that I'm like, am oh. I going to catch my, the lip of my, my toes? Yeah. Yes. And then just... Yeah, there is some good things about it. It made me think, like, maybe I need to be jumping rope a little more. (laughs) Like going back to grade school. Right. Because I a recess and didn't even think it was exercise. For hours on end, it felt like. Yes. So. (laughs) And this time, it felt like hours on end, but it was a minute or two. Ooh, this is harder than I remember. (laughs) 
Yes. Very interesting. He didn't just want to go for average, so he goes for CrossFit. And with his heavy training, he's even created his own type of exercise system. Okay. So for Benio, his system, or the Jacinto Storm, as it's referred to <laughs> with his club, it includes double unders with a jump rope. That is so hard, it too. It is. I know. <laughs> I um, couldn't do those, by the way. Push-ups. Pull-ups. Pull-ups, oh, those are hard. Brutal. Wall ball shots, yep. so with a CrossFit ball. Yep. Um, deadlifts, kettlebell swings, and finishing with another round of double-unders. Do you want to guess the number of reps that he does? Oh, my gosh, I can't even. What he because does is when he, I did it, those guys were pulling out big numbers, yeah. fast numbers, yeah. too. So He matches his birthday. So one woman saw him training in the park and asked for him to train her and her son. And now they're going on two years with him being their trainer, which right. I just think is so awesome because he's a great was, example. Yes. And mm-hmm. he's inspired people from around the world through the CrossFit community, including Hungary, Portugal, and Costa Rica. At 83, almost wow. 84, he'll be 84 uh, in July. He practices what he preaches, walking to and from the gym. Okay. Sparring with a mannequin. I saw a video. And he's like got this mannequin in his house and he's sparring with a mannequin. Cute. And he's preparing to get, you know, another rep for his right. 84th birthday on July 3rd. He wants to keep his record as the oldest competitor at the CrossFit Games. I love that he's inspiring people without saying a single word. Right. You know, just seeing that lady just seeing him at the park. Right. That was all it took. Right. Maggie McCloskey is a 91-year-old softball player on a senior league in Colorado, and those around her can't stop talking about what an inspiration she is. She reminds me so much of uh, Field of Dreams. Oh, not Field of Dreams. What was the um, league? League of Their oh, Own. Oh, League of Their Own. This whole thing does. Field of Dreams, too. Yeah, that both was, of them are really so good movies. movies. Yeah. She's the unofficial team captain of the Colorado <laughs> Peaches. <laughs> Someone said she just never quits. She's always up. She's just such a delight to be around. She's enthusiastic and plays her heart out. At 91, Maggie has been playing organized sports before it was even a thing for females. So remember back in episode 123, I talked about Title IX mm-hmm. with Patsy Mink. So that wasn't even a thing until 1972. Wow. So she was practicing playing, playing ball before then. Right. When she was 11, she found the Sisters of, of Loretto. And though she was a shy child the nuns noted that she told her she was a natural leader oh so for 15 years she was a vowed member leaving the nunhood once she felt her duty there was complete she married a former priest interesting <laughs> from the same thing Quite and a they story. ended up i know i think it's just so sweet they yes. ended up having two kids together and she said that they she got the best of both worlds i mean mm-hmm. they didn't leave the church they didn't leave the nunhood and him being a priest to go get married. Right. They just said they felt they had done their service. Right. And so it was time for another challenge. Right. So, another chapter in their life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Though her husband, Don, is no longer living, she has the love and support of their two kids and five grandkids. And I just had to smile when she shared during an interview that she herself is also rounding third base and she's on her way back home. Oh. And I just love that metaphor. That's so sweet. I love that too. She commented that every single relationship is crucial, and she lives by that. I also love her other goal is to continue to grow regardless of age. Um, You've been under a rock if you haven't seen videos of Johanna Huas. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce her name, but I've lost track of how many people have sent me her videos. (laughs) She was born in Germany in 1925, and Johanna was an active child. Her first gymnastics competition at 10. 
So um, yeah. I think she was pretty gifted, but due to World War II, she'd have to put her gymnastics on hold sure. if she was you know, required to do social service during the war. She had to take care of another family's children and then work on the farm. She was able to train as a gymnastics coach in 1945 when she had completed the required social service. Still, she was unable to find work in gymnastics since apparently it was banned in East Germany for the first two years after World War II. I wonder why. I have no idea, but... Hmm. Interesting. Crazy. Makes me wonder if they didn't want people forming groups. Could Talking. Be. Yeah. Yeah. It just Could makes be. me wonder. I don't know. So instead, she took up ham- team handball. Oh. At least she took it up until the ban on the team gymnastics was removed right. in 1947. Okay. So in 1950, she went to the University of Halle to become a sports teacher. So all of PE you know, teacher, yeah, I'm thinking just, something yeah. similar to that. It's yeah. in her bones. This right, woman definitely. at 56 returned to gymnastics, not just coaching, but to compete in a manner suitable for senior citizens. She okay, won. Okay, wait a minute. 56 senior citizens. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Let's start that. Keep it gymnastics. Pretty much mm-hmm. once you hit, you know, when you're in your 20s, uh, you're probably. Yeah. Probably, so you're right. 56 is, is a senior, yes. Yeah, probably. So she returned. She won the GDR Gymnastics, which I had to look that up, German Democratic Republic Gymnastics and Sports Festival in Leipzig in 1982. Then in 2000, the German Gymnastics Association reopened championships, and at the German Gymnastics Festival, she won the German Senior Gymnastics Champion 11 years in a row. That's Oh, my goodness. 11 years in a 11 row. 11 years in a row. Add to it that in April of 2012, she received an entry into the Guinness Book of World Records as the oldest active competitive gymnast. Too many awards to list, but I loved right. reading that she was performing her routine on a television show back in 2017, totally unaware that Simone Biles was watching her backstage. Aww. They brought Biles on once she had completed her routines, and Biles noted that her performance had just left her speechless. Oh, that's so sweet. Imagine how that made her feel. I mean, I love it. So at 90, she fulfilled a lifelong skydiving dream. Crazy, but. If you all can't, I know you all can't see me. I'm shaking my head now. So she she did a skydiving. She dove from a height of 3,000 feet and dedicated the jump to Queen Elizabeth II, who was also 90 that same year. Oh. Which I thought was cute. Yeah, that is cute. I saw another story. I'm just going to go on and on and on. I've really been trying to find some, <laughs> some senior athletes. But a woman named Vivian Stansel, who wrote a book on my birthday list, From Setback to Comeback, The Victorious Story of Vivian Stansel. So Vivian had a rough childhood. She lost her eyesight when she was um, just 19 years old to a disease called retinitis pigmentosa. Hmm. She was young and then she had two children. So the odds were stacked against her. Vivian would end up gaining weight. It was up to 300 pounds when her doctor said if she lost weight, it would improve her heart murmur. Oh, interesting. So she wanted to run a marathon, but that was just too much on her knees. Right. She was afraid of the water. So swimming wasn't top on her list. Well, I think too, when you're blind. Yeah. That's got to be doubly scary scary. to be in the water. And But she decided to face her fears and learn how to swim. And still remembers her swimming teacher yelling she wouldn't learn how to swim until she pushed away from the wall. (laughs) Um, Vivian had encouragement from her coach, but she also kept repeating this verse from the Bible. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power and love and self-control. Oh, I love that. 
Not only did she learn how to swim, she's become an Olympic swimmer and advocate. She said that people see her handicap and think that if she can do it, so can they. At 75, Vivian gets up at 4 a.m., four days a week, once again, crazy, to get to the pool for her two-hour workout. (laughs) I've heard, I mean, I bet swimming is great on her joints, too. I've heard that it's great. Yeah. For your joints. You so. also need weight-bearing stuff, too, though, for your right. bones. Yes. Right. But, yes, very good for you. Um, she also leads a prayer ministry at her church where she feels so blessed to touch people's lives. But my favorite thing is she runs a charity called Vivian Stansel Olympian Foundation, which offers free swimming lessons to low-income children oh, who wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to learn how to swim. They, swimming lessons are not cheap. No, they're not. Um, that's great because I feel like everybody should, needs should have them. Yes. yes. She said, I want my grandchildren to know what their grandma is doing. And when they look at me, they say, I can do that. So I love that she's trying to be an inspiration for her grandkids. I do too. I saved the best for last, though, with Willie Murphy. I vaguely remember this story. Okay. um, But had no idea who it was about. It was about 11 o'clock on an otherwise quiet night. And this man outside of Willie's home started screaming that he needed help. He was screaming to call an ambulance and... Minutes later, he broke into her home. She's a single woman. She's home alone. And she retells the story a lot like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. (laughs) Yes. She said, it's kind of semi-dark and I'm alone and I'm old. But guess what? I'm tough. He picked the wrong house to break into. Yep. She picked up the first thing she could find. A table. (laughs) This woman's a bodybuilder. So she picks up a table and she said, I went to working on him. And guess what? That table broke. I went to working <laughs> on him. Yes. You want to know how old she was? 82. She was 82 when this happened. Don't mess with her. Yes. Definitely not. She used the metal legs of the table once she broke it on him. To keep hitting the intruder, she grabbed a bottle of baby shampoo, poured it all over his face, and just kept hitting him with the broomstick. is stick. so home alone. Is that, just no. use what you have. Exactly. I just, I I love her crea- uh, yeah, creativity. Oh, my goodness. She has set all sorts of... I'd be of- hiding in the closet. <laughs> No, until the, the police. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do. But she set all sorts of records on her of her own. She used to be a track and field star, and then she took up weightlifting in her 70s to stay competitive. She volunteers once a month trying to get other seniors moving. But more than anything, I love that she's representing not only as a strong woman, but as an 86-year-old beast. I mean, yes. she's a tough woman, and I hate violence, but I sincerely hope her lesson. Although baby shampoo. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I consider that violent, effective, but not violent. Yeah, but, you know, the no tears. So I, yeah, no. I think that would still be bothersome. Yeah, it would definitely would yes. be. And yes. I hope that her lesson, you know, changed the career path for that intruder. But regardless, she inspires me. All these seniors inspire me. My hip might not be any better, but learning about these people reminded me to focus more on what I can do today right. versus what I can't do. Hard work, faith, and dedication can take us far, but sometimes we just need that little reminder. I'm not going to be getting up at 4 a.m. to swim, Mm -mm. but I'm going to try and live by their examples and squeeze the most out of each and every day possible. So Teresa and I were talking about, uh, before we started, you know, we were just talking about Netflix with Mm -hmm. Clea Shearer, but I was also talking, Teresa, about a show called Down to Earth. And there's an episode in it about people that that live to be over 100 Mm, and that, that's the Zach yes. Efron show. Yes. Yeah. And it was just really interesting. There are certain parts of the world mm-hmm. where there is more percentage of that population mm-hmm. that 
lives to over a hundred. And it was just so interesting. And a lot of it, social, the socials, mm-hmm. I mean, they have community. A lot of times yeah. they live together as families, even mm-hmm. the foods that they mm-hmm. eat. They talk about the blue zones. Mm-hmm. So if you're yeah. interested yeah. in more about. Down to earth. It's called down to down earth. earth. Yeah. And, I watched a few episodes, but I haven't seen Yeah, that And one. I can't remember which episode exactly that it's about, but it is really interesting about how these uh, people, these older people mm-hmm. are uh, thriving. Yeah. Thriving mm-hmm. is a good word for yes. it because they don't. They're, they don't seem their age. Right. For sure. Right. Well, those are great. I love those. Me too. Yes. You are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. C.S. Lewis. So, I know it surprises Colleen that I'm not <laughs> really into NASCAR. <laughs> Just I'm not rah, surprised because I'm not either. Around, yes. I remember Rounding. the one time, you know, I didn't really understand it didn't growing up. I remember my husband telling me, yeah, they're going to go around 500 times. And I was. Yawn. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Now the movie I'll cars. come back at 498 <laughs> yeah. and see who wins. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I just don't get the appeal. Mm-mm. Bunch of cars driving around in a circle. circle. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the crashes are exciting, but that makes Scary. me stressed. Yeah. Yes. Someone getting hurt, possibly more. Yeah. I just don't get the fascination with Mm-mm. it. And my most extensive foray into the world of NASCAR is watching Will Ferrell in uh, Talladega Nights. I don't, I've never seen it. Oh my gosh, you have got to watch <laughs> okay. that. The uh, Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. It's so good. You gotta watch it. That sounds funny already. But I found something else to like about NASCAR. NASCAR driver Eric Jones started driving when he was seven. Thank goodness oh, they were slightly they were illegal midget cars. <laughs> he started racing stock cars at 13, which must not require a driver's license, right. obviously. He won a ton of racing titles before most kids even get their license. My goodness. He won his first NASCAR event when he was 17, being the youngest driver to do so. But besides driving, Eric Jones's other passion is reading. He reads a ton and wants to share his love of reading with others, especially with kids. In April of 2020, he started Eric's Reading Circle. I love it. So cute. Where he reads various children's books on Facebook. He even takes suggestions as to what (laughs) to read in the following weeks. He'll also host book readings for kids at NASCAR events. I just think that's so cool. great. So Eric grew up in Byron, Michigan, and he had a favorite teacher at Byron Elementary, Tammy Lauren. Tammy had helped encourage Eric's love of reading and helped support him educationally when Eric missed school due to races. Remember, he was racing midget cars when he was in second grade. That's right. And it just shows how important teachers are. Like, if you get the right teacher, they can change your life. Right. Right. Tammy was trying to fundraise to purchase books to encourage kids to read and reached out to her former student, Eric Jones, for help fundraising. Instead of just helping to fundraise, Eric donated a book vending machine and books to stock it. That is... Isn't that cute? That is so cute. I so love it's an it. actual vending machine filled with books. Kids can earn tokens by meeting reading goals. Brilliant. How perfect is that? Mm-hmm. And when they get enough tokens, they can go to the machine and buy, with air quotes, a new book to read. So Jones said when donating the book vending machine... I went here and grew up here, and so to be able to do something like this, I think it always has a little extra meaning. That's the cool thing for me. So while I was reading about this, I wondered if any other NASCAR celebrities were doing good in the world, and I was pleasantly surprised to find that Eric Jones isn't the only one. Driver Kyle Busch and his wife Samantha had a difficult time conceiving and ended up doing in vitro fertilization. They found that the cost was around Mm $20,000. 
And they knew that there were couples out there that just, you know, wouldn't be able and to insurance afford that. usually doesn't yeah. cover any no. of that. So. so they started the Bundle of Joy Fund to help with the cost of in vitro fertilization for couples, giving out grants to help defray the cost. That is great. Isn't that cool? Yes. Driver Martin Tro Jr. and his longtime partner Sherry Pollux have been raising money for underfunded childhood cancers and ovarian cancers. Following a diagnosis of ovarian cancer for Sherry, Marin and Sherry became cancer warriors and fundraise for research and treatment of childhood cancers and ovarian cancer. This kind of reminds me of you talking with Clea that mm-hmm. they took such a horrible situation and now they're helping others. Because Even Olivia Newton-John, yeah. you know, a whole cancer yeah. center yeah. devoted to helping others. Yeah. So they do an annual fundraiser where NASCAR drivers and kids with cancer get to strut the catwalk. In 2020, the event raised over $600,000. They also donated money to help open the Sherry Strong Integrative Medicine Oncology Clinic. That's a mouthful. In Charlotte, North Carolina. And they plan on opening more oncology clinics. NASCAR driver Brad Keselowski started the Checkered Flag Foundation, which I think is a cute name. I do too. I was just thinking that. In 2010. After visiting the Walter Reed Medical Center to visit a friend who had been injured during military service while serving in a war zone. Besides veterans, the Checkered Flag Foundation also provides assistance to first responders. It helps with the purchase, training, and matching of service dogs with injured veterans and first responders. It includes not only the physically injured, but also soldiers and first responders dealing with mental issues like post-traumatic stress Mm -hmm. disorder. So I know there are other NASCAR drivers out there and teams that are doing great things, but I just love these drivers making a difference. I don't think I'll ever get into the, the circles, get into NASCAR, <laughs> but I can definitely get behind these NASCAR drivers and what the good things they're doing in the world. And I really think Colleen needs to go watch Talladega Nights I, for our next podcast. I do. <laughs> The secret of genius is to carry the spirit of the child into old age, never losing your enthusiasm. Aldous Huxley. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.